Hey, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Degree of Difficulty. My name is Aaron Johnson. Uh, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast at. Appreciate you rocking with me. Appreciate you rocking with me. Uh, really cool announcement. We are on Apple Podcasts now. Been on Spotify and Google Podcasts for a little while, but we are on Apple Podcasts now. So shout out to the big man upstairs for that. And uh, joining me today is a cat that I covered back when I was in college. Uh, and uh, needless to say, this dude is a baller. Uh, Mike Mallory is with us here. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. No, absolutely, man. Thank you for coming on. And now, uh, everybody going to have to sit tight for this because I'm about to go over Ma- uh, Mike's stat, uh, stat line in his records here from when he was at Southern Connecticut State University and playing overseas professionally right now. So, first of all, the big one is Mike's the all-time leading scorer in SESU history, a record that stood for 27 years. He's also the all-time leading scorer in Northeast 10 Conference history, a record that stood for 25 years. 2,515 points from 2013 to 2017. He was the NE10 Freshman of the Year in 2013-2014. He holds 10 individual records at Southern. You heard me right. That's 10, 1-0, a decade. 10 individual records, including three points made, single-game high 47-point total against Bentley University in 2016, Uh, field goals made, a bunch of other records we're not going to get into. He was a a member of the Elite Eight team uh, back in 2013-2014 that also won the school's first NE10 title. And by the way, he was also an All-American. Mike, Bro, when you go through all those accolades and everything from when you were at Southern, well, actually, before we even get into all of that, take me back to your first year at Southern. I know we're going back a little back in the time machine here, but take me back to your first year at Southern. It's 2013. Uh, you guys had a, a, a pretty solid team, I would say. Yeah, that was that's the best team I've ever been a part of, um, camaraderie-wise, from top to bottom with Chris Donnelly and to the walk-ons. Um, we actually, most, if not all of us, stay connected uh, almost every day. We, we got a we got a cookout happening this weekend. Um, that that team right there was special from day one. Um, it just, I don't know. We 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 clicked. I mean, our first our first official practice, uh, we all we played so hard that we were ready to fight each other. <laughs> and then we went to the locker room and ended up forgetting about what happened on the court. And that was the first time that's ever happened to me. Because usually you play so hard on the court, you kind of take it off. But we went to the locker room and everybody was like, you ready to go get dinner? And I was like, what? Dinner? I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> but everybody being so just keeping it within the lines and us understanding, like, there's one thing that we're all fighting for, and that was the NE10 title and to make it to the – Final four, I mean, to the league eight. So, and we did it. And uh, I learned so much from those guys, and I'm real thankful. And I know that because uh, I said I follow you on Instagram. That's how I got in contact with you for this, and a couple of those other guys from that team: uh, Luke Houston, Greg Langston, uh, to name a few. Tylon Smith, and that team was was special. And I, I remember um, going back to that that any ten title game, which was I, I I wasn't covering the game for the for the student paper. Uh, Bobby Martinez had the had the luxury of covering that game, <laughs> <laughs> and I know you remember how Bobby very well. So shout out to Bobby for that. Um, but no, it was it was that atmosphere was 
insane. And I, I remember a bunch of uh, me and the guys got there a little bit during shoot around. We got there maybe like five minutes into shoot around and we still had to sit way upstairs. Can you take me back to that game and what are some of your memories from that? That game was the the most fun I've actually had playing in like a serious game before in my life. When Before Greg hit the shot, like when he rose up for the shot, I didn't realize time and score, which is terrible on my part. All right, JR. <laughs> I was having so much fun because we were just going back and forth. It was like a heavyweight fight. It was just throwing haymakers. And then Greg hits the shot and, you know, Thank God it went in and we won. But even going back to warm-ups, when, when I heard Rihanna come on for our walkout song, which we never it was never her, it was just that day, the goosebumps started. And it just, it kind of woke, I know it woke me up and the other guys. I know Greg, he, he usually circled, jumped around in a circle around us. And that time, he kind of just bullied his way into the middle and was like, it's time. Like, we're going to win the championship today. And, he, whenever Greg said that year, he he never lied to us, and he was right. We won the championship that day, and they stormed the court. And that was the first time I've been a part of something like that either. Well, t- give us some context for the people that weren't lucky enough to be in the in the Moore Fieldhouse that day. So, Southern Connecticut State was going up against rival, bitter rival UNH. Uh, I believe that was the third time y'all played UNH that year, and it was for mm-hmm. the NE10 title. And uh, needless to say, the, the house was packed. You, it was standing room only before tip-off. And after, uh, like he said, Greg Langston hit the game-winning shot, pulled up from three. With, I want to say there was like maybe like he hit it with like four seconds or something left. And mm-hmm. I, the one thing I remember about that game more than anything, and I've, and I've shared the video with my family and one of my brothers, both of my brothers actually went to school down in North Carolina. And they were like, wow, we went to the NCAA tournament. It was never like that. Um, and <laughs> one thing that really sticks out to me in that game was when Greg rose for that shot, You there was like a hush that came over the crowd. Everyone collectively held their breaths. And if you watch the video, there's like that pause. I mean, like you said, when that video, when that shot went up, you didn't know what the score was or anything like that. And I've, I remember talking with uh, Coach Donnelly way back in the day and talking about like, you know, they weren't going to be able to call a timeout and and everything that came into that that game. But from the storming of the court to you know you guys celebrating with everyone that was there, the student section, and what is the biggest thing that you like to look back on and say, wow. Like this, this was not only the most fun I've ever had on a basketball court in a in a you know championship game, but it was also I remember this. Uh, I think the moment in the middle with all of us when everyone was storming, mm-hmm. it was there was like uh, it's like it was like a tornado, but like in the middle of the tornado was literally everybody on the team and then somehow Murph got lifted above us into the it kind of crowd surf. But in that moment, it was kind of like everything we worked for against our arrival. Cause when I came in, the, the it was like, listen, this is Duke Carolina. They don't like us. We don't like them. And, and that, that's how it was perceived to me. So it was a little even sweeter against them. Um, shout out to my man, Eric Anderson. We just talked about this game the other day during pickup, <laughs> but it was just, I was like, wow, I'm looking at my brothers and all the hard work we put in from that first practice to now has actually paid off. And 
I it seems like I made the right decision to come here because we were we were just five freshmen and uh, we won our first championship. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because um, just going back through looking at some of the things that were there, Southern, you coming to Southern and you coming in as a freshman, I believe you came in with, with Austin Carter and um, who else came in with your class? I can't remember who else came in with your class, but I remember it was five. I think like Mike Bazzuto was in that class too. Um, but just take me through the point from you're getting done with your prep school year to you coming in with uh, with Southern. So my senior, I'll take you back a little further. My senior year of high school, a regular high school, mm-hmm. I tore my ACL the second game in, and I kept playing on it, trying to trying to help my team and also trying to get a scholarship. I was my coach told me like coaches were coming to the game and they were they just wanted to see me live. That's all they were saying. They wanted to see me live and they were ready to offer. And obviously, I got hurt. So the goal was to go to prep school. After I got surgery, I went to prep school, Marianapolis Prep. Um, I say to this day, Coach Vitale, uh, he saved my career because no one wanted me, no one wanted to touch me. And he called me on a random, random Friday night, asked me to come up Saturday, and then Sunday I committed. It was that simple. Mm. And uh, he, he trusted me, and he tells me all the time, the only thing, only film I saw for me was four clips from my AU team, um, CBC, we were fourth in the nation. It was four clips, and uh, that's all he went off of. So uh, that man upstairs, he, he, he got to trust him sometimes, mm-hmm. no, or all the time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, I only played about 12 games. I had to come in a little late. I played about 12, 14 games. I ended up being the leader scorer on the team, and we lost in the first round to NBA player Wayne Sullivan, mm-hmm. or second round. And so the schools, most of the schools told me all the, the same thing. They said, you're our second guy on the list. If this guy doesn't commit, then we were with an offer you. That was Quinnipiac, LIU, Brooklyn, um, a bunch of MEC schools, um, and a couple of MACs. And so you were getting looked at by Division One schools? Yes. I, I, had, I probably had about 15 told me the exact same thing that we were going to offer you a scholarship. Got you. And all 15 guys committed. So I was like, wow, that's a, that's crazy. Cause I only needed one not to. Yeah. And then coach Mac, coach Mac was there from day, like day three, he came up to our like preseason workouts. And he told me if something happens and you don't get a scholarship, I want you to know we'll be, we'll be here for you. So I said, okay. And he came up the last day too. And he said, I told you I wasn't leaving. And coach Mack and I are from the same city. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the same high school, played for the same high school coach. So I knew Mac since I was about 12 years old. And, uh, when he came up and he was like, you know, we want to take you on a visit and see how things go. So, uh, I came back from a visit from Merrimack, a school in the conference. Um, they they offered and then Coach Mac came. He he brought me down to Southern. Uh, took me and my family around the campus and I fell in love. I committed and of course Donnie told me uh, they're trying to get one more guy and he asked me about Austin Carter and who ends up being my roommate. Uh, and I played against Austin in prep school, so he asked me about him. He Austin commits after we talk a little bit and Austin had some D ones. Um, he decided to come. 
and kind of the rest is the rest is history. It was kind of written out for us. It, it the way it happened. Um, Austin and I are super close. I talk to him every day. I I told him before he'll probably be like the godfather to my children. That's how close we are. So no, and no. the rest of the guys, Dom and Rizzuto and JP, those guys, we we all have a group chat and we support each other and. Every time we get a chance to see each other, we we rush to it, and that's a beautiful thing, man. And I and I remember um, covering you guys that year. I didn't cover the championship game, but I remember covering a couple of the games for you guys that year because I want to say that was my first uh, like full year on the newspaper. And I remember two things, and I'm, I'm, it's funny that you brought up Austin because I remember two plays the first time I covered the first game for you for you guys. <laughs> and I remember the first play I remember from Austin was he took it baseline and went up on like three guys and threw it down mm-hmm. like with one yeah. hand. And I just remember leaning back and being like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Okay, all right, that that was impressive." And then I remember you pulling up from like no man's land. You came down, you made like one quick move, and then you pulled up from no man's land. You hit the th- and then you started clapping, got back on defense. I said, "Man, this little guard's kind of cocky, but I like it." <laughs> so I, I I recall you guys in that, and like you said, that season was special. That team was special, and it's really cool to see that you guys still have that camaraderie. And and it's a beautiful thing, man. Especially from I didn't know all of your story. I'll be honest. I I looked back and I was like, okay, you played at Holy Cross. I, I know where that is. And and um. And the prep school thing, that was something that I, I said, I can understand how that like transition went. But I didn't understand. I didn't know how that whole thing kind of came together for you. And I mean, it, it seemed like it was a beautiful move for you and a great move for you. Any 10 freshman of the year right off of that, you guys get to the any title, uh, get to the any 10 title on top of the Elite Eight run. Do you remember much from that Elite Eight game against Central Missouri? Cause Central Missouri ended up going on and winning the whole title, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that game... It was kind of weird. Uh, we went in. We were. We, we, I mean, that whole year, uh, any of the guys will tell you, we we never went in like, oh, you know, this is going to be a good one. If we were, if we came out sluggish, I always had the confidence like, oh, we're just going to turn around like like a light switch. Mm-hmm. And that in that game, I actually like me personally, I was like, oh, this is like the big stage. Like we had to get flown out. We we had a pre a pre dinner with the, every every team there. It was an amazing experience, and it kind of turns quick to, oh, you got to take it serious now. Like, it's game time. Mm-hmm. And they just had, I remember the scout report personally, they had a, a center uh, who, who was our main focus because we, we, we didn't usually use our bigs. Like, Steph Williams, another one of my brothers, like one of my great friends that I talked to, he was kind of our five like small forward five, like we, we that's the type of we use like five out kind of yeah. And we were just like we're we're gonna have to help them, and then we we the the goal was to help off their point guard who was known for passing, not much of a shooter. And I don't know what he ate for breakfast, but that game he gave us like twenty five with like five threes. I remember he, watching that game yeah, thinking he, like, man, this guy can shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he ended up uh, winning the tournament MVP that year. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, I, it just wasn't written in the cards, I guess. But we fought hard. We, uh, you know, we started off We started off actually pretty well. We were, we were playing at our pace, but they kind of just beat us down once they started going inside and kicking it back out. Yeah. It was, it was a great game playing by them. 
No, and I mean, that was the one thing that I, I remember looking back on and thinking, like, you know, only one other team in the history of the school did what you guys do. In the history of the program went as far as you guys did, and you guys have the cherry on top because you won the conference title. So that's something that I always looked at as hanging your hat on. And one thing I wanted to ask was, after that season's over and, you know, the, it didn't end like you guys wanted to, but you still did great things, and now some of these guys are starting to leave, and it st you start going from, you know, this freshman – and making that transition through the rest of your career at Southern as a leader. What was that like? What was that like for you to go from, like I said, that freshman who came in and, you know, I'm, I'm scoring the points, I'm trying to help my team win, to now you were put in a leadership role? Um, it was, it was kind of seamless because everybody on our team, we all were open to listen to everybody, even though there was times, obviously, brothers fight. So we may have a disagreement, but we would still um, we would listen to what you have to say. We'll talk it out and you know keep it moving. So for me, it was just okay. Greg's leaving this year. We're bringing in Desmond, who is a very talented scorer who I grew up with. We played AU together since I was like thirteen, and so I I knew on under, knew and understand what he was bringing to the table and. To me, it was just like now I have to just kind of just be more aggressive and do do more. And I knew people would listen to me just because I've been through the rigors with them. That's all it was to me. Like everybody on the team has been the – I've been the battles with, so they know I'm going to give it my all. And then it just kind of progressed from there. Awesome, awesome, man. And I, like you say, you had Desmond Williams come in that, that next year and then um, taking the other two guards under your wing. I want to say that was like your junior and senior year where it was like Joey mm -hmm. Wallace and, oh, my God, the guy, he wore the sweatband. He's losing. I, I want to say his name was Isaiah. Isaiah. Yeah. And uh, taking those two guys underneath your, your, your wing a little bit as not just, you know, these two young guys that are coming in, but also, you know, they're point guards. They're, they're guards. They play the position that you play. Was there any kind of advice that you gave them specifically to be like, hey, look, you know, after I'm going, it's your job to take over the reins? Um, I, don't, I don't think I ever needed to say that because I think they saw and they committed off of what we built as a program at that point. So it was an understanding of, you know, obviously we're not going to be here forever. And we're, you know, coach and the team and the rest of the school is entrusting our our legacy as a, as a unit, as a family, as a program to you guys. So what I would do is I would go at them hard in practice. And so would the rest of the guys just to kind of make it, make them aware, like, this is what we need you guys to do to go as hard as us so we can get the best out of you. And then you guys can give the best to the whole team and the program. So, I mean, there was obviously talks. Uh, me and Isaiah, we talk all the time. Um, and me and Joey, like, actually I see him, I see him kind of often. He's in Connecticut a lot. But those two bring so much, so much to the table in different ways. Isaiah is a pure shooter. And he knows how to get a shot off and, a certain amount of ways and it's it's great so it was trying to expand Isaiah's game to all right let's start getting to the basket let's get that one kick out and Joey's was he's very aggressive and he doesn't get his points off of just straight creation it was offensive rebounds it was flashing it was it was a 
a plethora of things, and it was just trying to get Joey to understand just to, hey, if you slow down, you still can do everything you're great at and be even better at it. So it was just trying to get them to understand what they're good at and try to make them great. And obviously the goal was to make them better so the program could get better. No, absolutely, man. You kind of see that. I know Isaiah had a great year this uh, either this past year or the year before that, and I just balled out. <laughs> so it's something you mm-hmm. did work. <laughs> so let me ask you this, Mike. Um, now, your career in college is over. You have a great stellar career, and now it's the transition to go to the next step. And take me through what that whole process was like um, to get to where you're at now and to get to a place where you're like, you know what, I, not only can I play pro ball, but, you know, I'm going to play it overseas. And what's that been like for you? It's been, it's been tough. It's a tough, pro- it's a tough transition because most of the guys that go professional from college to overseas or to the NBA, to the TV, you are the guy in your team. So I know my junior and senior year, I probably was averaging around 20 shots a game. So my first year, it started off extremely rocky. Um, me, uh, my first place, uh, just the situation I was in living-wise wasn't the greatest. So the team the team and I, we parted ways. And uh, then me and my agent parted ways. So now I'm just in Europe by myself. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, luckily, I, I one of the agents that I was in talks with to sign before before I picked one. Uh, me and him, he lives in Waterbury, so me and him were already kind of close, and he helped me get to a program, and and that and that organization was just amazing for me. They uh, and I was only there to help them for preseason, but there was six Americans on the team. Okay, and they literally taught me the ropes. They taught me this is how you train and this is how you eat. Like, this is, this is the time you should go eat. This is the time you should go shop. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. They kind of took me step by step and it kind of changed everything for me. You should look at this in your contract. You should read this in your contract. So basically they were showing the ropes of like being a professional. Exactly. They showed me everything. And to this day, I talk to literally all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, every time I get an offer or a call, I call my big bro. Uh, I call him my vet. His name is Lawrence Canard. He's uh, from Memphis. And I used to, I was staying in a hotel. He had an apartment and he would allow me, I would walk about two, two blocks with my laundry in my hand all the way to his apartment, walk up the stairs, do my laundry, leave come back, grab my laundry, bring it back, and he would he would help me. He would go get me, go get food with me and things of that nature and show, and, you know, basically teach me the ropes, and he, he allowed me to be great. And then I went to my team in Macedonia, and since I, I took everything I learned and was like, okay, it's time for me to play, and my 20 shots went to probably 8 to 10 shots a game. Mm-hmm. And that was like – Especially being a scorer, it's like wow, what what am I doing wrong? Or any, you know, you just start you start self doubt and you question everything. But I learned quickly that in Europe they're not really looking for thirty point scorers; they're looking for more team guys. So I had to adjust. Um, I'd become more of a playmaker and take the shots that are given to me and be efficient with them. So I before I, I ended up getting hurt that season, but before I got hurt, 
uh, averaged 11 points, four boards, and four assists in only 18 minutes. Wow. Shooting 60% from the field. and That is – that's taking that's taking what's given to you and then some. Yeah, that's – that uh, that's the thing is you you kind of got to learn and adjust with. So uh, yeah, second season um, because of the injury, teams teams were iffy about me, and then one team took a chance on me um, down in down in Bosnia. So I went back to a to a higher to a different team, and I went there and I averaged sixteen, eight, and four. With more minutes, so mm-hmm. more minutes were given, and more of an opportunity was given. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ended up the team didn't have any money, and they had to release the American players. And that's also the business you, I had to learn the hard way. So the European game is a very, it's it's very nice, it's very beautiful over there, but it's very tough. It's it's a business, and I think that's also a transition people got to learn about. Is it's a business. Now, one thing I, that I wanted to touch on, and you kind of was talking about how, you know, having a, a multitude of American players on a team or in an organization helps. Uh, what's been, besides obviously, you know, language barrier, just older guys taking you under their wing, what's like the biggest importance uh, that you found when it's like, hey, I'm not the only American on a team or, hey, I can kind do you guys kind of gravitate to each other? Oh, yeah, you definitely, without even trying, you gravitate. To one another, one another. Even if, even if you guys aren't even clicking, like if you guys disagree on everything, you still, hey, what are you doing later? Mm-hmm. Um, just to hear someone with your native tongue is comforting. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, everywhere I've been so far, most of the team in most of the countries speak pretty good English. Mm, really? Um, yeah, and I've been to. So far, to me, I call it the uh, like the gutter of Europe. Like I've been to the projects of Europe so okay. far, and I'll go in a grocery store and be like I'm looking for milk, and they be like, "Oh yeah, back shelf." And I'm like, "Huh? Wait, what?" You <laughs> <laughs> was ready so, to pull out the phone and be like, "All right, I got to Google Translate this," and they're like, "Nah, bro, it's back there." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they they tell me um they learn they learn our language since as soon as they go into school. Okay. So once we get over there, you know, I was expecting exactly what everyone else was expecting. Like, man, I'm gonna have to Google Translate everything. Like, can you say this into a mic, please? And, <laughs> and it actually it isn't it isn't that bad. I mean, some of some people was a lot more broken than others, mm-hmm. but you're able to kind of puzzle it together, mm-hmm. and you you know you can make the best out of it. But so I think what with me saying all that is a lot of my teammates. I'm still very close with it because they were able to speak really good English and we were able to connect and be close. Even, even the foreign, even like me being a foreigner, they were very cool and very inviting. And I'm actually really grateful to them because they made me feel at home because they understand like we are thousands of miles away from our loved ones mm. and they're trying to make it the best for us. 
and that was something I was going to ask you. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of you know difficulty. You're not just playing basketball, but I mean, you went from you know playing in front of friends and family and overseas to you know not really being so far away from your friends and family. Um, what's what's that experience like, and how difficult really is that for for some people that are a never going to experience that or b don't really understand? You'll get some people say like, oh, you know, you're just playing basketball. He's he's fine, but what's that really like? It's 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 hard. It's a struggle. It's very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, you you most likely you probably get an apartment to yourself, so it's just you in there. The only time you really get to see people or have conversations is when you go to practice. Uh, you have two practices a day, so you get about four hours with people, unless you go out in the city and stuff. Um, and other than that, you just you're always on Facetime. You're always you know. And when you're on FaceTime, it could be nighttime, but, like, my parents are at work. Like, my mom's at her desk, and she's talking to me, and my so is my dad. Um, same thing with my girlfriend. So it's it's tough. Um, but they understand, and they understand that uh, you're doing this because you love you love the game. You're, you're very good at it. That's why you got selected. And you're trying to help change your life because once you do – if you do your job, you get paid very well to play a game that you've been playing since you were a young child and you, that you fell in love with. Mm. So. Well, what's been some of the, the cool things about playing overseas? Have you found any places that have, you know, better food than others? Is there like, you know, what, what's been, uh, you can tell me if the food all sucks over there. I, I, it's not, I'm, not, I'm not going over there anytime soon, so you, it's no problem. But seriously, like what's been some of the, the good things that you've gotten and gotten to experience being overseas? Man, overseas is, people ask me all the time, and I tell them it's just a different, whole different vibe. It's beautiful. Um, it's, one, there are a lot of, like, there are a lot of things, especially for where I'm from. Like, I'm, my, my, my I was blessed. My family lives in the, the suburbs, but where I'm at most of the time when I play basketball is, is not the suburbs, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends are in jail and or locked up, and I grew up with them. So for me, I'm kind of seeing it for me and then trying to see it for them. So I get to see the mountains. I get to, I've been to, I think, 12 countries in two years because one of, one of the teams I played for, we played in something called like an international league. So one of our, our game on Wednesday was either in Albania or Bulgaria or Kosovo. So I was always traveling. Mm-hmm. And... The great thing is just to the experience itself um, and the competition. That's really what I, I'm a big competition person. So that's kind of what I'm feeding for. Um, not really so much the money right now, mm-hmm. because I know the money is going to come. But it's just I thrive off pure competition. Oh, dude, and let then, me say, you were a bulldog. Watching you play, you were an absolute bulldog. I, I, I mean that with all the peace and love <laughs> in the world, but like – Nah, man, you you were scary sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from where I'm from and, and Waterbury, all we, it's just a bunch of guards. Mm-hmm. And if one of my friends said this one day, and it stays with me, he was like, "If you can't make it here at the YMCA, then how do you expect to make it anywhere else?" And I was like, "Man, that's so true." Because there's ten guards on the fi- on the court, and we're just going at each other. Mm-hmm. So that's how I kind of take it. Like, all right, it's 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 game time. I'm. This is fun to me. So it, that that's just one of the great things, and uh, that's what I keep. Obviously, I keep. 
I keep wanting to get higher and higher. And then the food, to be honest, is great. It's, there's really no difference. Okay. Um, like first night, first night last year, like I had a a large pizza with cheese, but you have to see like, cause they usually put like ham and like ketchup and uh, ketchup. And, uh, <laughs> yep, ketchup and uh, like sour cream or uh, mayo on their pizza. So you have to say just cheese with sauce, <laughs> and they'll look at you like what. And I'm like, yes, just cheese with sauce. Or you'll be like, cheese and bacon. And they're like, okay, or pepperoni. Yeah. But you just have to be real specific on what you ask for, and then you'll most likely get exactly that. And you'll be like, oh, this is delicious. Like, I like to cook, so I'm always in the grocery store. I'll get chicken, some vegetables, some rice. And that's, like, something that passes the time by for me. So, yeah, the food the food is good. If you want to adventure out, there's some stuff there that, that will have you uh, – just like wow, I can't believe I tried that, and then you'll be, you'll be uh, hurting for a couple of days. But <laughs> so wait, that sounds like you're speaking from a little bit of experience. So what was the the worst thing that had you hurting for a couple of days, and what was the best thing that you've had? The best thing that I've had, uh, the best thing I had is called. Oh man, that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> that means there I, is some really good food over there, then. Yeah, because most of the time. In your contract, you have certain meals are at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And where I've been, a player or the owner owns the restaurant. So we get, like, we're getting the good, the really good food, and we're not paying for it. Oh, that's that sounds nice. Yeah. So the food to me has been great. But I've had, like, this past year, I actually was sick a whole week. Like, I couldn't play. Uh, I didn't practice for, like, two days. Ooh. It's called, I forgot what it's called. But it was at this other restaurant that is like, it's more like a corner store that feeds us. But I was so hungry this day. And I use it, I'm like, Michael, don't eat it. But I was so hungry. Mm -hmm. And it was more like a, it was like a roast, roast beef stew. And that was like their specialty. And uh, that's like, in that country, it was, that's the, what they do. Okay, okay. And, and my teammate, he's, both of them, um, they're both American, and they go there every day. And I usually go home and make pasta for lunch. Mm -hmm. But I was like, I was hungry. I didn't feel like cooking. Right after practice, I went. And they're like, get it, Mike. I'm telling you. I got it. Ate it. I was like, yeah, it's not that great, to be honest. But I'm hungry, so I'm going to finish it. And I remember waking up from my nap, being like, yo, I can't move. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know what you guys did to me. But I can't move. And then the team doctor came and he gave me some medicine. He was like, yeah, for two days, you have a stomach bug. Ooh. And I was like, wow. And it happened that I fast? Mean, huh? It happened that fast? Yeah. Like, it. Like I, I guess when I digested it, it was just like, bam. Hey, how you doing? And I'm here to stay for a little while. <laughs> I mean, you might not know what it's called, but you doggone sure will know what it is every time you go back to that place. If you ever go back to that place. Oh, my, my goal is now, if I can't pronounce it, there's no reason for me to get it. That's a very good <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. If I can't say it, then no, no, I'm, I'm staying far, far away from it. Yeah. 
That's, that's, so, so Mike, and I, I said, I got a couple more for you here, man. And again, appreciate you coming on here. Degree of difficulty. Aaron Johnson here with Mike Mallory, talking a little bit about his career at Southern, talking a little bit about what's it like to play overseas. And what is the game and uh, practice atmosphere? I know you talked about practicing two times a day and uh, it just being a different game. But what does that game time feel like when, you know, you're about to take the court, you know, lay up lines right there, see the team. What's that? Is that still the same as when you're over here? You know, just just another day, another game. Um, my first year wasn't. Um, I got to a point mentally where it was just like, it was just like, like you said, it was just another game. It was like it wasn't like uh, my teammates know me very well, and I don't like to speak during pregame. I like to listen to my music. I get really in the zone, and then I don't like to get out of it. But that year, I was just, I was so mentally checked because I wasn't understanding everything that was happening that I was like, oh, another game, I'm ready to go, here we go. But I realized that's not the way to go about things. Mm-hmm. I have to really buckle down. and Because it wasn't like I was playing bad. It was like, to me, it was like, this is this is light. Like, I'm, I'm getting by my man. I'm finding the gun. Like, I started to understand more about playmaking and when to take my shots. But it just, it just didn't feel... It didn't feel like I needed to give a hundred percent because that's not what I was playing down to the level of competition. Mm-hmm. And then this year, it, I was a lot different. I was I was locked in from the night before. Like I started watching film mm-hmm. on the other team, so I'm coming in and I know exactly what my guard is going to do. Mm-hmm. Like it, you, he wasn't going to show me anything that I haven't seen from him, and. I in the off season I worked on pick and roll a lot because that's something every Europe European team runs like you their guards have to know pick and roll so I I wanted a full understanding on what what reads I was gonna have because in college it was more of a horn set and I was just coming off coming off screens and now I'm attacking them so the atmosphere kind of depends on the game and where you're at. But I've been to a place where I've been spit on. I've had rocks thrown at me. Sheesh. Um, it's been like that? Yeah. But mm-hmm. those also those games were my best games mm-hmm. because it was like, yes, this is – I'm in the jungle. Like, this is this is what I wanted. I wanted this atmosphere. This is what I signed up for. You play better when there's, there's a the hostel. Games. Yeah, those are the games I really played better. Um, I kind of just, just let loose. And then there's the games where it's like on a it's like on a Saturday morning, and we need to beat the team, and it's just so relaxed and stuff like that. That was my first year. This year, I didn't care who was in front of me, what was in front of me, and I was just attacking. And then practice is the morning practice usually is a shoot around or or a walkthrough. You get through plays and get up shots and a lot of skill work. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably in the morning. You're probably in there for about an hour and some change, like hour fifteen. Um, you probably or you'll lift. Depends on depends on what the coach wants. Like you may lift and then practice at night, or you may do that skill work. And then at night, it's more of a you get up and down and try to you know set the defense and you play through the offense and things like that. It gives you situations. So, um, I think the the night practice obviously is a little more fun mm-hmm. because you know you get to play a little bit. But the morning practices I think helped me a lot because it's literally skill work. Or get or getting stronger every day. Gotcha, um, gotcha. So it was. I mean, during 
in the NBA, I mean in the NBA, in the in college, it was you know you always you had to you had to take a day off like it was a rule. Here, there's no rule. They we could practice three times a day. There's no limit. Yeah, but there's no NCAA to come knock on the door. Like they need to rest your body. Got you. Got like I was saying. There's no NCAA to sit there and knock on the door. It's like no, we're here to work. Yep. Got you. Got you. So, and. Yeah, the the teammates that you have that are not you know from the U.S. What is their that experience like with the, some of those guys, and how is the the language barrier? I have to I have to assume that something like that it, it exists. And what is that like? And I mean, basketball is a universal language, but does mm-hmm. that at all come up in a game? Does that create issues on the court after the game? Uh, has that ever have you faced anything like that? Uh, my first year, very early, I did because um, I was still just trying to chuck up shots, not understanding, you know, it was be more of a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, but after actually one of my teammates kind of sat me down and he was, he was like my next door neighbor and he was like, relax. Like you're a little uptight. Like we all know you're good. Everybody on our team is good. That's why we're here. He was like, remember, like this, just have fun with this. And he was like, no one, no one's mad at you. And, and you know, just just be yourself, and everything will work out. And he, after that talk, you know, it was it was clear as day. Mm-hmm. Like it was strictly, you know, basketball wise, we would just like we would just we we'd be able to speak. Like there was no language barrier. It was, I would go do something wrong, and they'd be like, "Hey, if you take this back door instead, then I can get this." Or if you recut off of this, like that type of talking. And then it just started. That's when I really started to catch everything, get a real understanding, and and you know that's why I said I'm thankful for my teammates because they were understanding. And it's very hard that first year for most people because you're. That was the first time I've ever been out the country. Mm-hmm. So it was like I, the, I had a 13 hour flight from New York to Turkey, and when we landed in Turkey. I had no idea what was being said. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where my gate was. I didn't know how to read anything. That's got to be scary, I, man. I was scared. I burst into tears. I asked the dude. He, I don't know what you, he said. I don't know what you're saying to me, sir. And I, I called my mom, and she's like, take a deep breath. She said, go over to the board. What does it say? And I was like, Ma, this is in a different language. Like, I don't know what this is saying. She was like, it's going to flip to English. When it does, you need to read it. Mm-hmm. And Bang, flip, right? As soon as she said it, she was like, what's it say? I said, gate 23. Go find gate 23. Sat down. My flight was in like 30 minutes. And, you know, it's it's an experience. You really got to, if you really, I tell people all the time, like I told Isaiah, because he's, he's getting prepared for his first year. I'm like, it's, depending on where you go, it could be a very, very smooth, easy transition. Mm-hmm. But if they, if you get sent somewhere or you choose to go somewhere, that is that is rough and rare and rugged mm-hmm. you gotta just you gotta come out stronger because iron only sharper and iron so gotcha. hopefully he understands it because I, I told him i was like listen you know my phone is available when and he was like, yeah, because I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> well, at least the groundwork has already been – the foundation's already been laid. He's like, bro, man, you know I'm going to call you because I, I, you've been through this and I got to learn how to go through this. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get you out on this last one. And, and again, Mike, man, appreciate the time. This has been awesome. 
Um, one thing that I and I, I think I might have even said this to you back when I was covering you. I might have said it to to Bobby when me and him were talking about the team one day, and um and I and I gotta ask, does the does the mantra still live? Shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot, <laughs> bro. I know you've heard it a million times, and like I said, I think I might have said it to you before because I think that's like like I, I I go everywhere with that. I I, I if it's if it's you know it, it worked with me and my girl. I was like shoot the shot to stay hot, shoot the shot. <laughs> so I'm like it, it, it works with everything. So I, I need to know with the style of play changing a little bit. What ha, does that does that shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot still live, or is it has it been tweaked a little bit? There is no tweak in it. Um, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but well, yeah, my, my father, we were all at the dinner table, mm-hmm. and I think I had an off game, and my dad was also a gunner, as am I. I just turned out to be more of a gunner. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she wasn't a gunner, but she was just really good down low. And I was I was upset. I was like, I should have did this, I should have did that. I was like, I just stopped shooting. And he was like, Why? And I was like, I don't know. He was like, shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot, family motto. And my brother looked at me and said, that's corny. <laughs> and we started laughing. <laughs> but I never forgot it. So even to this day, like after any game I play, especially because they watch online, that's how they we stream. Uh, most overseas teams, they stream all the games. So I, I have my parents and my, my girlfriend's family, they, they watch it. They all okay. sit down and watch it. Cool, cool. And, and I, I call my dad and my mom. And my dad would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you shot nine times today. And he was like, I saw at least three more or four more you could have took. And then he'll say it. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And then the next game, next game I went out and like I had 30 this year. Mm-hmm. So it, it it lives on. It will never die. <laughs> it was, it, it, and I like the way you can use it in any fashion of oh, your yeah, life. No, you can absolutely use it in anything. And I have been, trust me. I, I, I know it's your phrase. I always I always give you credit. I say, yo, this dude I used to cover back in college, shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot, and I use it with everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yo, Mike, man, I, I appreciate you coming on again, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Degree of Difficulty, I'm Aaron Johnson. He's Mike Mallory. It, it's been really dope, man. I, I appreciate it. Again, guys, thank you uh, for listening. Subscribe, like, comment, you know, rate rate me five stars. That would actually be really cool. That would be really dope of you. I really appreciate it. But, uh, again, find us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts now. We are also on Spotify and on uh, Google Playlist. So wherever you get your podcasts at. So this is Degree of Difficulty, and thanks for rocking. Thank you.